How you doing? Uh, welcome to Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome YouTube interview podcast show where me, Chris Dyer, interviews his super awesome creative artistic friends, like Lebrona here. <laughs> Today, my super special guest is Felix. He's a very old friend of mine. Uh, people know him in this town better as Lebrona, his artistic name. He's pretty much in my personal opinion, the most legendary uh, street artist of Montreal. He's been doing street art before street art was a cool, hip thing. Uh, by the time I got to Montreal in the year 2000, he was already a well-respected legend that I looked up to and I wanted yeah, to meet and I knew his art and shows and I saw him around, but I never got to meet him until a couple years later when I live painted at this super awesome uh, underground warehouse party in Griffintown. This is like 2001 or something. But uh, yeah, Felix, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to do this interview with me. It was uh, fun to hang out with you today. We already went skating today, it was fun. We got a couple tricks. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So uh, tell me a little bit about you, man. Where, where, where did you grow up? Where you come from before Montreal? And uh, well, I grew up in Ottawa, but mm -hmm. I was born in the township, so I think oh, maybe when I was like one or two, we moved to Ottawa. My dad got a job in Ottawa. Cool. So you're a country boy. Yeah. Well, it's Sherbrooke. It's like a small city. Uh huh. That's where my dad lives now. And when did he move to Montreal? 97. How old were you then? 24, I think. And why Montreal? Art school. Which art school? Concordia. <laughs> oh yeah, so you went yeah. to Concordia. Did you get like a like a degree or? Yeah, bachelor's. Oh yeah, cool. So you're like a bachelor of uh, fine arts, huh? Class. Yeah. I didn't know that thing. <laughs> bachelor, of fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> How was going to university for art? 
Um, Did it help you? Yeah, I think it helped me. I don't. When I when I started art school, I met with all the street artists and graffiti guys, and all of them were like, "School sucks. We just do what we want." So I had like two educations, like painting with like the, some of the best street artists and graffiti artists of the day, and then at school. Right. So like I spent probably more time of my like art during university painting with uh, other and train yards and stuff, and then. Right, because it seems like that's what's made your, uh, you know, your street name or your popularity is more from you just killing the streets more than, say, uh, doing studio work. Though, obviously, your studio work is uh, a totally different yeah. aspect of you. Yeah, this studio work came later. Mm. But it started off, uh, well, just, you know, you have to do your projects for art school and then... When I finished university, I just did only only painted trains for like four or five years, and then like didn't do anything in the studio. I, tell me, like you've stayed in Montreal. Why why do you like living in this city? What what do you like about Montreal? I don't know. It's my it's the best city in Canada, I, I reckon. <laughs> why? Because the rent's cheap, or the vibe's good? The rent used to be cheap. It's going up. Um, well, when. When I first moved here, rent was really fucking cheap. Like we had giant lofts for like we were paying like two hundred dollars each a month rent and with huge lofts with skate parks in them and Fuck. remember how the city was all like half abandoned and destroyed. There was like mm-hmm. just empty warehouses everywhere. It was really, really cool. What neighborhood was that? Like Griffintown, you remember, like Griffintown right. and Old Man, like beside Old Montreal. Yeah, and, where all the big parties would happen. Yeah. You guys were like, these guys were doing these crazy parties when I first moved to Montreal for college, where they would just be like giant loft rooms with art all over the wall with the coolest Ninja Tune DJs. Yeah, it was insane. It was, for me, it was intimidating going to those parties. And it was the first time I saw like real street art before I even really realized what street art was, like all on found objects and broken skateboards and just, you know, it was just like really impressive. Uh, You and other were a big duo back then, right? Yeah, it was a bit of a movement back then. But those parties were so fun. Like, remember like every inch of the apartment had art on it? Like Like there wasn't any, nowhere. Like you were just in the bathroom. (laughs) And the the ceilings were like, were super high. So like you look all around, it's like madness, debauchery of art. Uh, it was very humbling and it was very inspiring. And I was like, oh my God, how how great would it be to be part of this movement? And only like a year later, uh, Derek Other invited me to be one of the life painters along you and product. And what, Do you remember what it was that? It was in one of those Griffintown like one. Was that our house maybe? I don't know who I don't was the remember. owner. I, I didn't know you guys well enough, but uh, it was the first time me live painting, especially at a cool party. And I prepared so much for that, you know, and I finished the whole painting in one night because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And yeah, it was like super special for me. But uh, so b- back in those days where you and Labrona like was like, like a formal relationship or were you just just like best friends? Me and painting Derek, together? the other. Yeah. Um... That's a long story because we met in grade four. <laughs> oh, you guys went to school together? Yeah, yeah. So he's one of my oldest friends, uh-huh. and he's the he's like the reason why I went moved to Montreal. He's the reason I started doing art. Like, mm-hmm. so he's a like I don't know. He's like one of my uh, best friends and uh, biggest influences. He's a very inspiring person. I'm still like always very impressed by his art, by his 
always evolving and changing and growing. And he's so good, but he's not as well known for as good as he is, even though he's been in juxtapose and being in big galleries. Yeah. And I hope to interview in this show now, especially since he moved back to Ottawa to be around his family. He used to be like a, a sponsored skateboarder when he was young too. Before he was doing art, he was right. like one of the best skaters in Ottawa. Nice, he's got the magic. Nice, and you too. You're, you're a great skater too. Um, tell me about La, La Brona. Like, what's uh, what's that name about? Like, why 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 La Brona? <laughs> uh, that's a funny story too. Um, it's completely made up, but I had a friend who he just made up funny names for everyone. And Lebrona was a name he made up to call this guy Frank, who isn't me, but just like one of my friends. So in high school, he called this guy Lebrona, and uh, he's from India, where his parents were from India. So he'd say it in a funny Indian accent, and we just like giggle. And he had like a different name for every, all all of our friends. And then like uh, I don't know what year it was, but mid '90s, I lived in Banff. And my friend George was really drunk and he took a marker and he wrote Lebrona on the wall of our apartment. And we were all like, what the fuck? We have to pay the damage deposit. We're going to have to repaint the walls or whatever. And, uh -huh. it, and it stuck in my head. And then uh, D Derek dragged me out to paint a train and I'd never done anything before. And I like, I was like, what do I write? And I just, I just wrote Lebrona because it was in my head from my friend writing it on the wall. Uh -huh. And then that was my name. That became your street name, and yeah. now it's a legendary street art name. And it's like being... such a humble, silly beginning. <laughs> well, and now it's been in like official street art books and documentaries and movies, and you know, as I yeah. said, you know, like your name is uh, well respected in the city as one of the elders doing street art before street art was a thing. So tell me a little bit like about that. Like, how long have you been painting in the streets? Well. When I started, we, we just did trains maybe for, uh, I don't know when I did my first street art pieces, but for a couple of years, I only did trains. Mm -hmm. And I think I did the first one maybe 98, 97 maybe. How many trains have you painted by now? I don't know. Like hundreds? Well, no, like thousands, but. Thousands. Uh, I don't paint trains very much anymore, but when uh, when I used to count, I was like definitely did like 3,000 of like the little drawings. What's, what's with painting trains? What's, a, what, what's so special about painting trains? I don't know. Like uh, how it started was Derek got into it and then he, he dragged me along to paint. And like there's then, a culture about it. Yeah, there's a culture. And there's the movement of how an art piece will move from different cities. Yeah, that's, that's what it was like the... Um, well, obviously the trains move, so you paint a train in Montreal, and then it can go like to Alaska. It can go to Mexico. Right. Like I think even they, I think they can even go down into Central America. Wow. So you have all of the like the continent, mm -hmm. and then uh, so you paint something, and then someone in like California takes a picture of it and would send it to you, and you're like, holy shit! Like so, it, your art just goes everywhere. That's so cool. That's like the coolest part. Nice. And, uh, have you ever jumped on a train? Yeah, I have a few times, but not much. How was that? I've never done that. That's something that I don't think I'm going to do anymore because I'm getting too old to do that kind of shit. But I, I can always still do it. Always, I, I guess so, but I would have to know where the train's going and not get in trouble or yeah. get stabbed or <laughs> I don't know. The, How is that? The first time I did it, I, I, I wasn't even a paint, like I hadn't even started painting yet. And uh, 
when I was in my like teens and twenties, we used to have no money, but we'd want to go like out west or something. So me and my friends would just hitchhike like from Ottawa to Vancouver. And so uh, one time we were outside of Vancouver and we were just hitchhiking, waiting and waiting and waiting, and like no one was picking us up. And then a train stops by, and it just stops. And then my friends like, let's get on the train, you know, like. Like Jack Kerouac, whatever. Jack Kerouac so style. Like, yeah, so we hop on the train and then we went, like, I don't know how far we went, but like, like through Rockies and like over these little train bridges with like rivers below you and mountains. And it was, Beautiful. Where did it take you? Did, did it take um, you where you wanted to go or just random? From like outside of Vancouver almost to Alberta, you know? Cool. That must have been so exciting. Yeah, it was. And, uh, like, but the, the thing that sucked is that we didn't have any, like, s supplies or anything. <laughs> oh, no, so you were hungry on the train? Yeah. How long did it last? Oh, like, eight hours or something. And I remember my friend, like, took a poo on the train. <laughs> right. That's we interesting. Like, well, I guess that's hobo styles. Pissing off the side. That's awesome, man. I hope I still do it one day and I can take a good dump on a train. <laughs> so, you've been doing... You know, you've been painting trains and doing this street art, if we can call it that, since the 90s. But in the 90s, what was hot was graffiti, you know, lettering. Yeah. Why didn't you go down the route of lettering and spray paint? Why instead did you go down the route of characters? And uh, you use oil sticks, right, when you do your, your, your paintings outdoors? Well, that's the train culture, because the original monikers on trains were done with oil sticks. Mm -hmm. And that's like going back a hundred years. Well, maybe it was chalk, but mm -hmm. so uh, other had gotten into the moniker culture. Mm -hmm. And then I'm already in art school, so I'm looking at like painterly stuff more, like painting with brushes. And so he was, I think he's like the f the first person and maybe in like the world to do uh, characters and oil sticks on trains, like. Other? Not not just the the guys would just do the same moniker over and over again. He mm -hmm. started filling them in and doing complex drawings. Mm -hmm. Derek, other? Yeah. Uh -huh. Cool. So so then he got me into that, and I think, like I know Twist did some, but they weren't filled in. I don't think so. I think we were the the first person to do that, like first two people to do that. Sick, dude. This is what year? Like late nineties. Yeah, late nineties. Awesome. And then from there, you just kept on doing your characters. Yeah, but we. We didn't think we were street artists. We thought we were like uh, nerdy graffiti guys. Like yeah, graffiti that, guys who don't have a word to write. Yeah, because like when we went painting, it was all guys doing letter, like all the lettering guys, and it was everyone was part of the same same gang back then. Like there wasn't a like a separation between street art and graffiti. Right. It was like graffiti and like weird character. Right. It was just the whole, like street art was just everything, including graffiti, including whatever yeah. the fuck else you were doing in the streets that's artistic, including yeah. skateboard art too. Like back in the day, I thought I was a street artist because I was doing skateboard art. And then street art became like this whole other entity that was not the umbrella, but like the side development of the movement or whatever. So it gets confusing with their words. Yeah, but what you were doing at, back in the day is what became popular in a way, you know? Yeah, it's... It's easier for people to understand. Right. Because it's like people and... Right, it's more relatable than yeah. a word that they can't read. Even though I think there's a very big beauty in graffiti and uh, especially when it gets so abstract that you don't even really know what you're reading anymore. And yeah, me like, too, I love it, but totally. I just mean... And, and spray paint was never your vibe, neither. You know, no, like, uh, you know, like the fumes, huh? 
No, I hate the fumes, but I do use it. Like I, I don't know if you've seen the paintings. I used to do uh, um, like backgrounds with all spray paint and then oil stick over top. Right, like you'll do your fill, but then yeah. you do the detailing with the oil stick and rubbing. But I get super abstract and do all these. Is oils, oil sticks not uh, bad for your health? Like when you're rubbing with your finger, it doesn't get in your system? It's not supposed to be. Okay. And you rub with your finger or with uh, like ear swabs? Yeah, the, the Q-tips. Q-tips. Sometimes a lot with my finger, but like, okay, for a smaller painting, like the lines are getting pretty small, so I'll go in with a Q-tip mm-hmm. or like a piece of wood and scrape away. Nice. It's your own style. I don't see anybody else doing like that scra- kind of... I scrape on it. And... Yeah. It's very kind of like sketchy, but it also has a very nice, fine artsy kind of vibe to it. Um, this style is actually kind of new. What? Yeah, because before I didn't, I used these uh, these little cardboard kind of pens. They're like, you can dip it in oil paint. So I'm drawing. It's more like doing it with a pen, okay. but it's still oil stick. Oh, oh yeah, those like little sh- things. I yeah, use they're sharp. Paint. I don't know what they're called. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. It's for, like, I used to use them in college. Too. Like pottery people use them, I think, and... So, so what's with these characters? What's the meaning of them? Who are they? What are they doing? Some are hugging, some are fighting. Sometimes they're all about hugging. Other times they got knives and bottles or party, like, uh, or they're kicking. Uh, they're all different. They're just my way of telling stories. Mm-hmm. So... Are they a representation of something? Well, they're just people. Mm-hmm. Just people in general? But sometimes I do, like, like animals and other weird... You got your birds and shit. Weird, uh, abstract, not abstract, but like surreal c- creature kind of things. Mm-hmm. But is there like a meaning when you put them, say, like, oh, hugging? Say, like, these days we're in COVID days. We're not supposed to come close. We're not supposed to hug. And now you see a painting where everybody's so close and rubbing and hugging. It almost seems like a criminal almost to hug these oh. things. <laughs> yeah, well, there's definitely meaning, but it's not... I wasn't thinking of COVID, but it's just like, I don't know, it's like encompassing, it's like society. And then they're all like squished in there, so it could be like overpopulation. And then you have uh, all different interactions between the characters within the paintings. Like some of them have like the hands blocking their mouths and then some people are checking each other out. Like someone that's stuck over here can't get over there to like the woman he loves over here. Oh, okay. Or like just little... Uh, yeah, this just uh, interplays of energies between people. Yeah, in trying to world. tell lots of little, a whole bunch of little stories all within the same painting. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I like them. They, they got character and they're very you. Like you, you walk down the street and you see a Labrona, which you got wheat paste all over town. So like... Felix will paint this as a painting and I will sell it for a lot of money. But then again, he will do the same thing and then just stick it in the streets and then it goes to shit and it, as if it didn't really matter. So it's really like interesting how in, on one hand you will sell it for money and on the other hand you will give it away to the streets. I think that's really real. And that's kind of lost with people who like gain their uh, popularity yeah. or their financial success. If I didn't have to make money, I, I think I'd just do everything outside. Well, the winter kind of gets in the way, but right. But if I had money, I'd live somewhere warm in the winter. <laughs> if I had more money. Nice. Uh, have you traveled a lot for uh, doing art? Like you've probably done some good art trips around the world. Yeah, I've traveled lots. Like uh, 
South America, Central America, Mexico, all over Europe. Mm -hmm. Did you visit uh, Derek when he was out there in Berlin? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we did tons of street art in Berlin. I went to visit him too, and I was so stoked. And uh, the, the thing that always sticks in my head is that he had that tub in his kitchen that was like a pull-out tub that came under the sink, and I was like, what? And then the fucking thing came out to be the shower. It's like, this is your fucking bathroom in the kitchen. <laughs> so, I don't know if that... It was amazing. It was like 2006, and Berlin was still fucking yeah. like a paradise of street art, and street artists, rats living in all these abandoned buildings and just fucking making art yeah. for the joy of creation. I was there, I don't I don't remember the year, but it could have been that same year, 2005, 2006, something like that. Right. Did you go to Japan when, when oh, you guys... Uh... No, I've never been to Asia. Hmm. I want to go though. And when you went to South America, where did you go? Uh, it's all again because of other, he, uh, he uh, moved to Buenos Aires, mm -hmm. so I went down there. Nice. And How was that? It was super fun, and we did we did street art all over Buenos Aires, and it's like super exciting, like big South American city. You don't know what's like safe, and you're just out there painting. And it was like really fun. Any any stories that stick out from your travels, going around the world, you know, just painting for the joy of it? I can't really think of anything specific, but just like the whole vibe is always a really good adventure. If you had to move somewhere that you went to travel, like wh where would you like to live if you had all the power to do whatever you wanted? I don't know. Um, Buenos Aires is really fun, but it's maybe a little bit too big and polluted. Mm -hmm. But I remember, have you ever been to Valparaiso? I've never been to Argentina in general. I was gonna go well, like... that's in Chile. Uh, but it's this... Uh, this little town, like it's built into a mountain and it's just covered in street art, uh, like murals everywhere. Really, when I, there's still so much places in the world I want to go to. I just can't wait till this whole COVID thing lifts up and we can go and be free and keep on spraying the good vibes. Yeah, I'd rather just go visit a million more places before deciding to like settle down. Oh, Lisbon's amazing. I went there on a trip. Have you been there? Yeah, I've been to Portugal, yeah. Lisbon's street art. Like half the city has abandoned buildings everywhere, uh -huh. and it's just beautiful. Right. So, and I felt uh, when I was there, I just felt safe to paint, like in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. So I was just doing street art there. That was a really fun trip. Awesome. Um, now, we talked about the street art. Let's talk a little bit more about your studio art. Right now, we're in your studio, which is called Lelivart, which is a like a beautiful building in the in the Plateau of Montreal. Where we, where you guys rent these rooms to to have as your studio. Yep. Um, you, you like having this here. It's it's a totally different neighborhood from where you're at. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I just think it's necessary to have a studio. Like I tried, uh, I had a studio in uh, Mile End and I lost it. So then I tried having a studio in my house and it's you're just alone too much. Yeah, it's it, it, you need to get out and, yeah. and see other people. So you just taking a trip to get here and then there's people to see and you're in a different neighborhood like if you if you go to your studio do you feel like okay i'm in my studio i gotta fucking work I yeah just like yeah you know like at around. home you'll wash your dishes or <laughs> right do something like or listen to records yeah well, i'll do that anyway but <laughs> we'll see it easier mm -hmm. but like yeah there's less distractions Nice. So I work way better. I could put, like in four hours here, I could do the same as like an eight hour day at home where I like fuck around. 
Vibes. And you got like Kevin Ledeau as your neighbor. Yeah. That's awesome. And then you got Johnny Crap upstairs. That's awesome. Those are great artists that I hope to yeah, interview soon. Super inspiring to have uh, to see other people's creative process and everything. What do you prefer to do uh, murals and street art or canvas work? I think street art's the funnest, but I really like canvas work too. Because this is like the crystallization of your work. Like this is better than anything you can do in the streets, kind of. Yeah, for sure. Unless they give you a huge budget and the side of a building, you could do this like large scale, but those kind of budgets and projects are more difficult to find. Yeah, it's rare, but I'd love to have it. Like if to paint that on a giant building would be pretty cool. Right. <laughs> that building you got on, uh, on is it Moroyo? Is it San Denis? San Denis on the side of that building. I love that building. It's super cool. Oh, thanks. That's like for me one of my, my my favorite murals by you. That was like a mural project, right? Yeah, that's actually one of my very first big murals. Well, it is my first big mural. Nice. Yeah. Have you done a lot? Not a lot, because... Um, With your style, it must be difficult to do that rubbing technique. Well, no, I use brushes on murals. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's... Well, if I do rubbing, it's like with a rag or uh, dry brushing, like with a big brush. Mm -hmm. Nice. But it's all, like, you know how the difference between spray paint and brushes on uh, buildings, like, I get an extra week onto the project for sure. Right. Do you use assistance for that? No. Well, I mean, actually, I have before. But uh, I got some really big projects that paid a lot of money, and then after that, when someone's like, "Hey, paint this giant mural for a thousand bucks," I'm like, hmm, "I don't think so." <laughs> um, yeah, it's gotta like you know match your time and your vibes and everything. So back to the to the gallery work uh, or the studio work. Uh, do these sell well? Do they, do they? Is this what makes your money for you to pay your rent? Yeah, but it was the, the the paper ones. Okay, the paper ones sell more than the bigger. Well, because a big one I'm gonna sell for I don't know seven or eight thousand dollars, and I have these where I because I, it's on paper, I feel like I can lower the price, so I sell them for six fifty, mm -hmm. and I usually sell two or three a month and pays all my rent bills. Nice, and just straight out to people that you've seen on Instagram. Yeah, mostly Instagram, but I've been doing that for maybe three or four years. And it's just uh, being all right. You don't even need the galleries anymore. Well, that's the, kind of the reason why I started that because I was having bad luck with galleries. You know, when you pay all like you're paying shipping and you pay all the materials, and, and the then big you, galleries take fifty percent these things. Yeah, but they'll have your like say it doesn't sell, then your painting's gone for five months or six months, and right. then you get it back, and then it's old, and yeah, so it was costing a lot of money. At one point, you were having a good experience with that gallery in England, right? Yeah, when galleries are going good, it's my favorite. Like, I what was that gallery in England? It wasn't the gallery; it's just um, an art dealer. Mm -hmm. He was, uh, well, he, he'd get me into galleries. Nice, and that worked for you well sold. for a few years. Yeah, really well for a few years. It was like my, uh, like. Like, oh, I don't know how much. I was just making a lot of money for a couple of years, but that's it. <laughs> and then it just kind of like didn't pan out and you had to keep on your road and just going directly the, to the It's because of the, the economy tank. You remember in 2008? 2008, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, and, then, uh, yeah. and like all the galleries that were doing super well that I showed at went out of business. And then, 
and then it was slow after that. But the artist must keep on going on. Do you ever, would it ever enter your mind that you would not be an artist? Would you ever be like, oh, I'm not making art, like money from this art. I gotta give this up and I'm gonna go and like peel potatoes at the port. Would that ever enter your mind? Or you, you will always do art no matter what the fuck? Yeah, I'll always do art no matter what. Well, yeah, like I never really cared about making money. Yeah. And you'll always make Because like the, the first 10 years of art was all for free on trains. Like we hardly did art shows. And if you did, you never sold anything. Mm -hmm. So like that's, the, that's my favorite part of it. Mm -hmm. That's nice. So, I, what I like about this new paper uh, pieces that you're doing is that they have these patterns behind. Is that like a new thing? Yeah. They're, uh, I was just experimenting. Kevin's been doing abstract paintings a lot for the last couple of years, so then I was ins inspired by him to try uh, abstracts. So I'd spend, you know, a couple of days doing abstracts, and then I was like, what am I going to do with these? Like, they're not good enough to show, but they're still interesting. So then I threw characters over top, uh -huh. and then it tied it all together to make right. them. Right, and that's kind of like what Other does too, right? Like, he used to do patterns and then draw a whole character on top. Yeah, that's like, true. So I was influenced by him as well. Right, and sometimes I wonder if, like, uh, artists like Cobra also got influenced by him and like yeah we were wondering about that but you well, can never really know yeah. like who came first because these are artists from different places different times and then there's like people in the 50s doing all those triangles and stuff too right like the right that i've done it too recently i was like i want to try that too or like who was that artist who just painted uh for mural festival a couple years ago where it's kind of like graffiti in the background but then a classical greek statue in the front kind of like covering the graffiti yeah, uh, I don't remember something their names. Something avocado or something like that. Can't even remember their names. But that's that same kind of like thing where like there's something happening in the background, and then you do something realistic on top, but the thing in the background still comes through as the uh, inner energy of the being, which is a great technique to use, especially with spray paint where you can do hazes on top. It's it's like a nice uh, thing to do. Yeah, I've been super into into that for. A couple of years now. Nice, cool. Well, I keep on hoping to see your characters grow and become new things. I love how you've gone bigger. Uh, how long did this one take you? This one? Yeah. A month. A month. Well, that's great for a month. Uh, and that's different from well, other times when you just spend like l less than a month, mate. Because I was painting, I painted a couple of murals while I was doing it. Mm -hmm. Probably three weeks. That's great. Do you like painting bigger and spending longer time on it now? Well, I would rather just paint huge ones all the time, but like I was saying to pay rent, I have to, a lot of time gets taken up with doing the ones that sell. Yeah, because the bigger, more expensive ones are harder to move. Yeah. But at unless, the same time, unless they you have show a really good gallery. Yeah. The bigger ones show how great you can get if you just allow the time to fucking kill it. Yep. That's important. Let's talk a little about skateboarding. We, what? Yeah! <laughs> you and me are skateboarders. Uh, we've been skateboarding together for over 10 years. Uh, well, I know you since probably like 2001-ish. It's been almost 20 years that I know you, but we used to skate. Remember we had the skate posse with my brother and that art, other artist, James, I can't remember what's James? Uh, James Patterson. James Patterson. Uh, we used to go to South Shore and skate every week. 
Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was super fun. I'm happy we've, uh, you know, gone back to skating every now and then. So, when did you start skating? I started skating in uh, 1984 or 85, I think. Well, when did Back to the Future come out? I think 85. Well, that's the year on the movie, at least. So, it must be 85. <laughs> yeah, so... That's what inspired you to, to start skating? Everyone who saw Back to the Future in like Ottawa, I think all over like the world was just like a, wanted to be a skater after that movie. Fucking Marty McFly, man. Yeah. So <laughs> we watched uh, Back to the Future and then like the very next day it was like begging your parents for a skateboard. So he had a Madrid in that, in that, uh, that movie. And it's funny, my first skateboard was in Madrid. Oh, no way. But it wasn't that the same one he had. <laughs> Are you a big uh, Back to the Future fan? What? I don't know. I haven't really watched it again since I was a kid. I loved it when what? I was a kid. Well, maybe once. Dude, I watch it every year, religiously. The trilogy. Sometimes two times a year. It just makes me so happy. There's a vibe in that movie that just fucking lights my heart up. The characters, the... It was the first time I really thought about time traveling. It was before uh, the uh, Terminator movies. It's just really, I love Back to the Future. But tell me more about your roots in skateboarding. So you're in Ottawa, it's 1985, you go to Madrid. Where were you skating? Just like in schoolyards in front of your house. Mm -hmm. And Derek was your friend and he was yeah. a really good ripper. Well, when we started, we were both beginners, but... Uh... He like, he like dropped out of high school and just skated every day for like three years nonstop. So he like got better than everyone. Ah, he pulled a Barry Walsh on people. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'd be in, in class and then I'd look out the window and I'd see Derek skating down the street all by himself just doing tricks and being like, oh, can't wait till lunch break. Yeah, sick. It's like he's like out like in front of your school. Yeah. He's dropped out. He's kind of like skating just to like laugh at you guys or something. Because well, every all of his friends were in school, so he had to <laughs> he had to come back to school to wait for us. Oh, that's even so he funny. Wasn't going to school. That's awesome. And then you just kept on skating throughout the nineties. Like any any memories about like skating in the nineties in Ottawa? I used to skate in Hull when I lived in yeah, Ottawa. Yeah, me too in Hull. Right. In the winter, right? Because it was it had the roof over it. Right, but like even in summer, we would go to like right after the bridge, there was all the promenade and it was like lots of banks and stairs and there was no E there. Yeah. And uh, we would skate there a lot. government buildings. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I loved, I loved that era. We had our little crew in Ottawa called the Team Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were really bad at it. But I, it was my first time like doing skateboard videos, which was like super fun with two VCRs and the fucking Gigantor video camera. Yeah. It was such a great era. But what do you like about skateboarding? Camcorder was gigantic. Right. Like the thing was like a fucking, like a, the size of a skateboard almost. So tell me a little bit more about like, you know, skating in the 90s. You know, it was a precious era. You know, like who's your favorite skaters? What was your vibe? Um, like I was a zero dude like welcome to hell Jamie Thomas toy machine that was my my vibe what, what was your skaters and, and brands and videos that you liked well like well, Natus and Mark Gonzalez but like I was thinking about how uh, 
how it links to art. Like all of the first art I saw was like in you know in, in Transworld and Thresh used to have the art pages and like right. Both Natas and Gons were artists. Yeah, so they'd have like the like Neil Blender and Neil Blender art page, and then I'd see all his all his little characters with right. he had like thick black lines. I think he really Andy Howell. Andy Howell and Chris Miller was a crazy artist, and John Lucero. Mm -hmm. So I remember being really influenced by that before going to art school, because like, you know, you're just a kid, so you don't know that much about culture, and it was, all that stuff was in the skate mags. Right. Did skateboard graphics, uh, graphics influence yeah. your art at all? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, your art is very easily placed on skateboard graphics, and I know that because I. Uh, licensed your art when I was uh, art director for Creation Skateboards and we had made a beautiful board based on one of your murals you made in Philadelphia, I think. Uh, Chicago. Chicago. And then you got graphics for homegrown skateboards. Uh, any other brands you've done? No. no. Yeah. But you should do I want to do more, yeah. Yeah, totally. Especially like silk screen mode because your stuff could really lend itself really well for silk screen if you just, uh, you know, made it more flat if that's what you wanted to do. Do you ever draw with ink and just make it very like flat, not blended? Well, when I did the skateboard graphics, I did. Mm -hmm. Totally. Because <laughs> it was, you'd have to do it with ink. What's a skateboard brand that's in your heart that you're like, fuck, that skateboard brand, like, you know, anti-hero or... Uh, well, like when I was a kid, it was H Street and Plan B and uh, Real Anti-Hero, Girl and Chocolate and like all the... The classic ones. This would be a great girl or chocolate board, I'd say. Yeah, you should you should approach him. You know, you, you can still hit them up and be like, "Hey, I got fucking art." Yeah, I never do that. I should do that. It takes an email, and then they see it. Like when I'm it not... like you can send them an email, and if it, and if it's not good, they'll be all like, "Oh, that's not our style." But they'll see your art and be like, "Okay, that's dope. Yeah, let's do this." You know, and if they say no, well. At least you tried. Is that it. how you it, it, how you did it? That's how I did it. Like when I first got into skateboard brands, I fucking hit up all the brands that interested me. This was with like, a portfolio. With just like pictures of the the skate paintings I had done. This is two thousand and four, and at the time, uh, graphic design what was what was what what was hit. Not psychedelic monsters and paintings like that was too hippie or too eighties even for what was happening in the mid-2000s. And uh, finally, Creation Skateboards was like, hey, this is what we're into, let's do it. And then I ran with them for 10 years or whatever, and yeah. now that they don't exist, I'm, you know, I'm trying different brands. Now that the world's opening more to Psychodelia, like Psychodelia is cool, I've been able to do like, uh, you know, Death Wish and Santa Cruz. And my last uh, series was with uh, Darkstar. Oh, crazy. You did Death Wish? Yeah, I did one graphic with Death Wish for Neen Williams. So oh, cool. He, he's like the hippie on the team with the dreads and shit. Yeah, so he's he my friend. And he's like, hey, do me a graphic. So, And it, it did really well. And they were really happy. And now I got a contact that got me into Darkstar. And I got to talk to Chet Thomas. And, and uh, yeah, that's... You know, I love working with the skate industry, especially when it can reach different pockets of the skate industry, not just the hippies, you know, but like... You know, the fucking, the heart of skateboarding is the same one. We just branched out into all these different styles of skateboarders, you know? The hipsters, the metalheads, the hip-hop, the hippie. It's like, it almost seems like we're not all one gang, like back in the day. 
when we're all just like, you're a skater, you're a skater, we're friends, you know? Well, it was like this, there'd still be the street guys and the vert guys back when I was a kid. Yeah, but still, if you were a skater, there was like some kind of comrade brotherhood. Yeah, but it was because skating was really small. Like, I remember 93-ish, like, you know, there'd be like 20 or 30 skaters in the whole city and every one of them was your friend. Mm-hmm. But if there's like 10,000 skaters, you can't know them all, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was super... And, and uh, skateboarding is so mainstream these days, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's not like the same as before. So... We were like nerds when, like in high school. Uh, well, when Back to the Future came out, it was cool. But then two years later, it was lame. And then like we were getting like chased by all the jocks all the time. And like the football team would like be like, skaters! and like oh, no, we are always running away at school you're the freaks the, yeah. the losers so it was all like these outcasts like and most of them were artists or in bands like it was the it was a different too artsy uh, yeah it was artsy like outcast like alienated kids more than like it definitely wasn't the cool kids right so what would you say is the relationship between skateboarding and art is skateboarding an art does skateboard influence art well for sure but well, skateboarding is super creative, but I, I was thinking how, uh, like, how I got into street art, like, cause street skating, you know, you're all, you're like you're exploring a city looking for spots, and then street art's the exact same thing. You're exploring right. a city looking for spots, right? And it's like the same sort of energy. You're in a big city, you're like wandering around, like part of like just super urban, and then I don't know, like the energy you'd get from skateboarding sort of for me like sort of switched into street art like it was the same kind of thing right like when you get to a new city your brain's already programmed where you're just like whoa skate spot yeah whoa wall to paint yeah skate spot uh street art spot it's like it's beautiful because it just turns the fucking boring concrete boxy urban environment that just treats us like fucking working peasants into something that we can create back into soul manifestation expression yeah and um and you're like part of the city more than like you know someone's just commuting or whatever you're like you you explore every nook and cranny like you know like every like all the neighborhoods because you've gone searching for spots to skate or paint and Right. And both are illegal activities. Yeah. You know, like, well, skateboarding is not illegal if you're in a park. But if you go out there, like what we were doing today at the Big O is technically illegal. We were, like, skating through construction sites. And the construction workers don't give a shit because they're constructing a skate park. But, uh, you know, like, it's not allowed to skate a lot of things. How many times we got in trouble from the cops from skating a spot? Oh, when I was a kid all the time, yeah. Yeah, it was, it's like there's so many stories of the, the fucking security guards and the cops chasing you out from the spot. Same as painting a thing. The only difference is that when you paint a thing, you're doing like full on yeah, damage. Like, yeah, it's a more serious crime. Have you ever gone to like, got in serious danger or no. trouble? <laughs> nice. No, I've been lucky. But I'm, I'm like, I'm not like uh, trying to like get a painted thing on the main street you know yeah you're not trying my style it's like in back alleys or like little hidden spots abandoned things like and and you're like uh still skating today yeah and you're 48 years old i believe Uh uh-huh why continue skating at this old age of yours sir i don't know what keeps you going what what do you like about skateboarding man i 
think I might go crazy if I couldn't do it. Well, I mean, I know I'm going to have to stop someday because of the limitations of the body, but it's like, um, you know, it's something I've done since I was like 11. And it's like a stress reliever and you feel good. Like you could be having a shitty day and then you go skate and you feel awesome. Like even if you get hurt, you're just like, oh, that was fun. Like Right. Like I feel great right now after we skated in the morning. Like it's been just... Doesn't matter if you got the biggest trick or the crappiest trick. You got your little trick. At the beginning yeah. of the day, you thought you couldn't get it, but then you worked at it, and then you <laughs> proved yourself you could do something that you thought you couldn't do. Yeah, well, it teaches you how to like keep trying and like. Yeah, and you hurt persevere. yourself on the way there too. So. Oh yeah, I'm always hurt. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that. It's like uh, it's the same with like when I used to paint trains all the time. It would be like. For the time that you're doing that, you're not thinking about anything. Like n your problems go away. You're not thinking about like the freaking COVID and like Donald Trump and all that shit. You're just like painting and like time disappears. And, like maybe it's meditating, like kind of. So it's a meditation. Yeah. Both art and skateboarding is a beautiful creative meditation. Do you consider yourself a spiritual person? I guess, but like I don't know. I don't really like pursue it, but. Yeah, it's not like a like a path that you will put with words. It's just uh, yeah. But I mean, I do definitely think you get into like uh, like a spiritual zone if you're having a good skate session or a paint session where like you know you're painting for three hours and it feels like it's been twenty minutes or like you know or twenty minutes feels like three hours. Like just these weird. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to put it into words, but totally. Well, thank you so much for always hitting me up, being like, Chris, let's go skate, you know, and sometimes I'm like, I'm busy, sorry, but this month's been really fun, uh, my, bo my body is very sore right now, but I'm happy, and it's getting every week, and I'm getting back in shape, and in the vibes, and it's You're just... shredding today, so I can... I got that wall right and I, at the beginning when I was trying it I'm just hooking against the wall and it's like oh my god like I'm not gonna get this but I kept on trying and then I got it so I love the big O you know because the big O it's it's kind of like a true street session where you're just like let's go to this spot let's go to that spot let's see what we're gonna find let's see what we can do it's definitely one of the first spots I skated in Montreal like I went to uh I skated the Big O in the 80s because I had friends in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And it just, yeah, it's always been like a super iconic spot. Right, there's just so much to explore there. And they don't really kick you out because they just don't care. They spent so many billions constructing that Olympic stadium and then nothing happened. The, the, the Olympic stadium was finished, what, like 10, 20 years after the Olympics or something like that? <laughs> no, no. So they're just like, yeah, if you want to skate there, like, just use it. I don't yeah. think it's finished yet. <laughs> I don't think it's not even finished yet, huh? Well, now they're, they're building that band skate park. That, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, not that I can skate that gigantor bull. Well, the bull looks a bit scary, but I think this will be good on the street course. Yeah, we'll see, you know, and hopefully, you know, there will be tons of people. But we've been going to all these, like, uh, skate parks these last few weeks, and there's never been too many people. Well, the trick is I don't go to the skate parks in the summer because all the kids are there. So you have that little, the window between uh, September and November where they're empty. Oh, yeah? And then like uh, April to, you know, when all the kids have to be in class. Mm -hmm. And then you have it to yourself. 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'll do. I'll always uh, I'll skate in spring and fall when the kids are in school. And then the summer you skate street spots like I was just skate us the streets. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, let's do more of that, man. Let's let's stay young. Let's never grow old. Um, so we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, I always like to make this question. Uh, do you believe that art is something that it can help change the world for the better? I don't know. It helped change me for the better, but like, I don't know. And that's a strange question, but like, I was always thinking how, you know, I, I do all the street art and it's for free and it's outside. Like, so say you've never been into an art gallery or looked in an art book and, or like you're in a small town and the train stops and you see that, all that color in art. Like, I, I, that's what I really always think is a cool thing. Well, it's medicine. That it know? travels around and like, especially stuff outdoors because, you know, you just turn the corner and you see something crazy, like some beautiful art. Right, creativity that came from the ether that didn't exist before. And as you said, it helped your life. Yeah. That life is the world, you know. You're one human part of this world and it has helped you. That's already yeah. the world become a better place. So that's a beautiful thing. Um, would you have some final words of wisdom to young artists who may are starting in the path of art in general or street art or skateboarding? Like, you got any, like, you know something that you can uh, you know pump them up for a better future to keep the faith on the thing that their soul is called out to or just uh, what's like the best thing I could say I don't know. like just never quit like if you really want to be an artist work your ass like all the time just keep doing it and then if you stop and quit and get a like don't really try anymore then there's no way it's gonna stay in your life as strongly you know what I mean like well you know just persevere yeah follow your passion yeah you know, do what you want because really. there's a lot of people that are gonna tell you that you can't make money at art and it's like the stupidest thing to do and like you know what I mean mm-hmm. and maybe it is but <laughs> were there a few people in your life that told you that art was shouldn't be your passion well I mean everyone before you're doing it like you're I don't know your parents say like yeah it's a good hobby but like get a really like Get a real job. Yeah, like go get a degree that gives you a career and... Well, you got your degree in art at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, I don't know, it's a really rewarding life if when, once you get deep into it. Mm-hmm. I like just spending my days making art. Hey, be- before we finish actually, I never asked you too much about your record collecting. You're also a record collector. What, 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 where are you at with your record collection? How many records do you got? What, what, what's your vinyl? Tell me. I have a couple thousand, but um, I'll tell you how I got into record collecting. Yeah. Because I think it's kind of cute. Kind of cute. Ooh, I like you. Um, <laughs> are you flirting with me? Uh, <laughs> when, when CDs came out, yeah. They, all of a sudden, every record you ever wanted was like a dollar. Man. Like, this is like what? Like 92, 93? Yeah. So we were poor kids and there, you know, you wanted to get like the new Bob Marley record and it's like $20 on the CD. And then we'd go look at, uh, in like thrift stores and you'd buy the record for a dollar. And that's how I started record collecting. Nice. So you started when, like, like mid early nineties? When I was a teenager, like we would just go 
to these like used, I don't know, they like just the records were so cheap, and then it, that just became an addiction from there. Nice. What What do you got? What do I got? Like, what's your genres? Let's say genres, because you like name all the fucking bands and performers. Oh, I have that. like f funk and soul and reggae and blues and rock and psych and tons of jazz and. I see you post a lot of your stuff on your Instagram stories, and I'm like, I got no idea what that record is, but that cover looks dope. <laughs> I almost want to go to your house and go through your whole collection and just take a bunch of notes. Yeah, and you then, come check it out. Yeah, and then, then go to a listen store. to the ones. Yeah, I but mean, it's just like, and now I started getting CDs because the same things happened to CDs that happened to records back then. Right now, now CDs are like three bucks. Not even they're like a dollar or something. So you go to the thrift store. And there's like super dope music that used to cost thirty dollars. It's now a dollar. I don't know if CDs are going to be obsolete for it. Like, and they're probably obsolete, but whatever. I still rather. Doesn't matter if they're obsolete or not. You know, like I know. Well, yeah, you right. listen to music. It, like yeah, yeah. you, you listen to your CDs here in your studio, right? Yeah, I listen to them all day long. Like I, I saw you got this, uh, this Chaos Atlantis. CD that which I wish like dollar fifty a dollar fifty. I, <laughs> I want to get the vinyl of it, but if I get the vinyl of it, it'll probably be like thirty to forty dollars now because now vinyl's gone back. Yeah, up vinyl's turning now, and CDs are, are uh, people think they're garbage. So anyway, right. maybe so. I should start CD collecting again because I, I see you collected in the nineties and early two thousands, and I got a great collection. Look in that. Uh, and that white thing is full of CDs. Well, I'll look after you because I don't want to knock over oh, yeah, your, your canvas and Never mind. <laughs> owe you like thousands of dollars in damages for this interview. But, <laughs> but anyways, Felix, dude, you fucking rock. You're a great guy. What? I love you. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for doing this interview. Uh, stoked that we got to share your art a little bit with uh, the viewers of the show. And uh, yeah, uh, look forward to keep on, you know, jamming with you throughout the years, skating, doing art, and yeah, just having good times. Another it's 20 years, we gotta go skate for another 20 years. Yeah, we can do it. There's, <laughs> there's old man skaters these days, you know, like, like great. Like you mean us? <laughs> no, I just Older you. than us? Well, yeah, no, there is for sure. Yeah, we'll get there. And well, you know, as long as the knees support us, even if we just push around, fuck it. Next week, my guest will be Adida Fallen Angel. And when I left Israel after the army, when I finished the army, I was, I was done. Because in the army, I saw how absurd elderly mind way of thinking in politics. Because if you've been in the army for 30, 40 years, you really see this. I must protect the land. It's us versus them get everybody to do this and i was like that that is insane right they're still human beings they're still human beings and the there's no way the whole world is like that so i said to myself i gotta go out yeah. find out if this is planet earth or this is just the bubble that i was raised in right and the second i stepped out and start seeing my own country my home from outside my whole brain started to reevaluate everything that i was taught in history in my parents, my teachers, my peers. So make sure to subscribe, like, and everything else. Big thanks and see you next week. Peace.